Welcome to C3 Hobart Online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. Good morning, everybody. I only had this realisation, thank you, this realisation uh, before the service, this is the first time I've been able to talk to you at the 11 o'clock. So I've spoken at the 9 o'clock before, um, but it's just another part of the big family that we are here at C3, hey? So many of you may not know me because I spend most of my time at the Huon Valley location in the afternoons. That's the thing that God really called our family to be a part of, and we just love building down there. But we're one church, two locations, so, you know, it's just like meeting the rest of the family again. Um, we're doing this together. Hey, we've had an incredible um, series at the moment about truth and love. And Pastor Sean, he's just, he's just amazing. I love the way he preaches. I love his honesty. I love his rawness. And those truth bombs that he's been uh, loading us with over the last four or five weeks. Who's been enjoying that? So I'm just trying to find page one in my notes here. We could, we could start at um, page 43, but we'll get to that later, hey? So the, I've got a title for my message, and I don't want you to get turned off by the title, because some of you might. I've called it, Take Off the Mask. Now, before you say, oh, that's not COVID correct or whatever, you know, I've actually got a different message. I'm not trying to preach something against the, you know, what we're told to do with masks. It's not about COVID. But I do want to talk to you about taking off masks this morning. Uh, I want to, you know, about um, 10 years ago, maybe more, 14 years ago, my family and I, we built a house. And I love the whole process. And you get to choose the plan that you want for your house. And then you make it all happen. And then they ask you this question, like, what do you want the front of the house to look like? What's the facade of the house? Do you want it to look like this colonial sort of thing? Do you want some nice big columns, make it Corinthian? Or do you want it rigid? Do you want, like, you know, a bit of wood here and a bit of brick there? And how do you want the front of your house to look? And we got to make that choice. But whatever we chose didn't change the floor plan. It didn't change the builder. It didn't change the underlying structure of the house. All it was was, what do you want the front to look like? What's the facade? And Jesus spoke to a group that were really, really good with facades. The scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law of the day. And I just want to look a bit at Matthew 6, about what Jesus had to say to these beautiful people. So Matthew 6, 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. 
I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. And further down in verse 16, it says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So Jesus is talking to this group who are really proficient at putting up a front. And the, the Pharisees would like to go in places where there's lots of people moving around, you know, in the main streets or near the synagogue, you know, and they, they're going to bring their offering to church, got their bag of money, and then they, uh, they do a fake slip. Oh, and the money's on the ground. And people are like, oh, what, what happened there, you know? What's all that money for? Oh, I'm bringing it to church. I'm bringing it to give to God. Oh, but that's a lot of money. I oh, know. It is. Not bad, eh? I bring a lot of money. Oh, do you want some help carrying that? Oh, yes, please. It's too much for me to carry. It's, this is my gift to the church. And they're there looking for that. Looking for men to give them affirmation for how good they are. And then the guy said, well, what are you doing after church? We're going to Macca's. You know, the... Next to the synagogue, there was a Maccas. You, you haven't read the same version of the Bibles I have. Um, I said, like, you know, do you want to come to Maccas with us? Oh, no. I'd love to, but oh, I'm seeking the Lord. I'm fasting. I'm, I'm being holy. I'm being spiritual. Like, come on, it's just a meal. Oh, no, I couldn't lower myself to do that. I'm, I'm holy. I'm seeking God. It's much better than McDonald's. Well, it probably is, but... <laughs> And so they put on this facade of what they wanted people to think of them. The, the scriptures talk about fasting. It says when you fast. It doesn't even say if you fast. But there's times when we fast. Fasting is not the issue. The issue is what they wanted to be perceived as, how they wanted people to see them, putting up a facade. They wanted these outward acts to impress people. And this passage in Matthew talks about the pretense, about the, the false humility, as opposed to acting purely out of a right motive before God. I mean, Jesus even goes to the point of saying, if you're bringing your offering, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. I mean, obviously, you, you, know, you put one hand behind the back when you give, is that how it works? But he's trying to make a point that it's, it's a private matter between you and God. You're not doing it for anyone else to notice. It says when you pray, go into the closet, shut the door so no one will see you because, well, there shouldn't be anyone else in your closet. If there is, you've got a problem. The idea is there's things that we do because it's who we are that we don't do for people to see that that's what we're doing. Are you following me? Furthermore, in um, Matthew 23, 27, Jesus talks again to these guys. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And again, in Matthew 15, 7, he says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I, I've read this many times, and I love getting on the bandwagon of how bad the Pharisees are, of how self-righteous the Pharisees are. 
Yeah, they're the guys that put up a front. They're the guys that want people to see them as holy even when they're not. But as I reflect on it, I start asking my question, well, what if there's a bit of a Pharisee in me? What if there's something in me that likes to put up masks? What if there's something in me that likes to present a facade of something that I'm not really, because I want you to think I'm something I'm not? And as we start looking at ourselves, we find, you know, there might be broad areas, there might only be small areas, but places where we find that we've actually got the same attitude. We want to be noticed, we want to present something, we want to hide something, hide the real us. So what facades do I put up to get approval from people? In the second to fourth century, there was a... um, we say a perspective, a religious perspective called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism had this idea that the things that mattered are spiritual. And anything of the flesh, anything of you know, normal day-to-day life, that's all carnal. And so the way to get to God was to get this spiritual knowledge and ignore anything to do with your physical body, your physical world. They saw that the spirit is fundamentally good, and matter and things are fundamentally evil. But there are a couple different ways that this was outworked, and one of them was they believed that, therefore, if the spiritual things matter and the physical things don't, then we can do whatever we want with this physical world. It doesn't matter how I treat people, it doesn't matter if I lie, it doesn't matter if I put on a front, it doesn't matter if I go and do what everyone else is doing, because it's the spiritual things that matter. And these ideas that led to Gnosticism started to get their roots in the the time that the Apostle John was writing his letters. And so in this background, he starts in in 1 John 1, 6, he says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, John was addressing this this disconnect between words and how we live. That you can say one thing, you can say something that's spiritual, you can say something that's accepted, but live an entirely different way. Well, your actions are not lining up with what your words are. Quite a while ago, 15 months, 18 months, it seems like a long time ago, we were back in the Adelaide Hills, and I tried to get a veggie garden going. And it was, uh, we had some success, and I love melons. I love watermelons, I love rock melons, honeydews, all that sort of thing. And we grew some, some rock melons and watermelons. Now, anyone growing melons in Tasmania? See, I've lost you all, haven't I? You're like, what, what's that? What's a, what's a watermelon? So I grew, I grew these watermelons, and I, you know, they weren't really huge, but they were really good, and we cut them open, they were delicious, great. But what I'd never grown before was a rock melon. And so I planted these rock melons, I watered them, it took forever for them to set, then they grew, and then you got this tiny little bead of a melon, you're like, come on, just grow, and it just took absolutely forever. Anyway, about five or six months after planting the jolly thing, we've got this rock melon. 
and oh, it, it looked beautiful. And so then the day came, we picked the rock melon, we brought it inside, we put it on the chopping board, and whoosh. And inside were bugs and disgustingness, it stank, and it was putrid. Five months of waiting, and I got this putrid bit of fruit in my hands. But on the outside, it looked just like a Coles watermelon, rock melon. It looked just like the ones they put in the brochure with the colours and the half price tag and all that sort of stuff. Like, this, is, this was what I was expecting. But what I saw on the outside did not line up with what was on the inside. See, what masks do we put on the outside to hide what's on the inside? Is there something different on the inside of us to the reality we want other people to see? So I don't want you to see the real me. I want to put something up so you see what I want you to see. Are we presenting a, a facade or a mask to hide things? You know, I... I feel so privileged to be um, working at Pathways and Velocity Transformations. Aldo, my awesome boss, love you. And um, we, we there get to help people in their journey from addiction to, to freedom and, and tackling all these things in their lives. And one thing I've seen as a bit of a theme is that people come in with these masks on. They have masks that, that hide what's really inside. It could be that due to hurt or pain, you know, it might be they've experienced abuse, they've experienced disappointment, they've experienced frustration, they've experienced all sorts of things that they don't want others to see because I don't want to get hurt again, I don't want to feel that pain again, and so they put a mask on to shield themselves from that. And maybe we sometimes do that too. There are things we don't want people to see because it's too hard, it's too painful, it's too raw. Or maybe we, we put a mask on things we don't want people to know, the, the things we do in private that we're not, not proud of. The things we do which if other people knew that we were doing, we'd, we'd be ashamed. But we put a mask on to pretend there's nothing going on. Sometimes we put a mask on to, to hide the fear and insecurity we have. We, we're the fun guy we're the confident guy, but inside you're insecure and you're afraid and you're unsure of what your future is, you're unsure of who you are, but you don't want people to know that. You want to present that you've got it all together. I want to just talk about a word which God put on my heart for today. It's integrity. And I want to take us back a few thousand years to uh, Israel Israel was a God's people and they were crying out to have a king. And God gave them a king in King Saul. Unfortunately, he turned out to be a bit of a pinhead and he got removed from his role. God said, I need someone who's after my own heart. And so he said to the prophet Samuel, go to the house of Jesse and there I'm going to anoint a king. And so Jesse had seven sons and here comes the first son and he's got He's got biceps like tree trunks and he's sculpted and he's tall and he's just the man's man. 
And Samuel's like, well, if anyone's going to be a king, this is going to be him. And God said, no, it's not him. Okay, well, there must be another son. Okay, bring on the next one. And he comes, he's real athletic, he's really agile, he's a good tennis player. Yeah, plays in the, the Israel tennis tournament back then. It's just on the right of the synagogue. Um, or tabernacle, sorry, wrong era. But God said, no, it's not him either. Well, you must have another brother. Here comes the next guy in his Armani suit. They wore them back then. You didn't know that. It's in my Bible. Had his Armani suit on. And he was an entrepreneur. He knew how to make business happen. He knew how to, to run companies and all this stuff. He's like, oh, this, this is what you need. If you're going to run a country, you need someone who knows how to do it. God said, no, it's not him. Because Samuel had in his head what the king would look like. Well, after six brothers, there was no one left. It's like, well, do you have anyone else? God said that the king's going to come from your family. Oh, well, there's David. There's David, but he plays a harp. Can you imagine a king playing a harp? No. Well, I said, go get him. So he sent a servant, goes up and down all the hills and around the sheep and finds David out there sitting on a rock. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your voice. And he's, out, he's in his own world. The servant comes, come on, David. The prophet's there. He wants to anoint a king, and they're asking for you. And here's David with his ruddy complexion. He's almost pretty. He's, a, he's not what you would think a king would look like. But he comes back. And the prophet sees him, and God says, this is the man. He lifts up the horn of oil, tips it over his head, and anoints him the next king of Israel. Because that was the one God chose. But if we look in 1 Samuel 16, in the middle of this story, it says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God saw David's heart. Not what he looked at, what he looked like, not the fact he played harp instead of guitar. He did sing a good song, though. See, that song lasted 3,000 years and we're still singing it today. How's that? I hope you guys appreciate my humour. I just sort of intermingle it there somewhere. So somewhere you'll find, the, you'll find the truth in there. But the things that matter, I'll make very obvious. Okay? So there wasn't really a, um, a brother with an Armani suit. So just so you don't get your, your historical facts wrong there. But the definition of integrity, one of the things that says... In the dictionary is it's a state of being whole, entire, and undiminished. I like this further definition. Integrity is a godlike life of consistency and sincerity with no deception or pretense. That's no masks, no facades. Integrity's overriding quality is wholeness. In fact, the word integrity is derived from the same word we get an integer from. An integer, a whole number, 
It's something that's whole. It doesn't have smaller parts. In other words, no discrepancy exists between one's public life and one's private life. People of integrity have nothing to hide and nothing to fear. There's a, um, a great verse in Matthew 5, 48. It says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now that is a hard verse. How, pe- how many people know how perfect God is? He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's, he's omniscient, omnipotent, all those beautiful omni-words. God is perfect. And he's saying, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That, to me, seems totally unattainable, unachievable, unreasonable. But you see, the word for perfect there in the Greek is a word teleos, which means to be complete or to be whole. We're not told to be without flaws and to have a a level of excellence that's second to none. It's about as God is whole, as God is true, as God is complete, where to be complete in who we are in Him. Where to be whole. One unit. And this word was originally applied applied to a mechanism or a machine that is complete in its parts. Everything is there together. It's consistent and it's regular. When I was about 19, it was only a couple of years ago, I worked at McDonald's and uh, we had to do this thing about three or four times a day called a beef integrity check. Now, I I presume they still do them because McDonald's is still around, hasn't been sued and gone off the planet. But a few times a day, we had to get one of our cooked meat patties. And it's cooked for exactly the right amount of time, and you take it off the grill, and then you get a probe, a temperature probe, you stick it into the patty, and you see what the temperature of the patty is. And what we're testing for, we want to see if what it looked like on the outside matched with what this thing was saying it was on the inside. Because if it wasn't cooked on the inside and you ate that, you had a risk of getting a coli. And so we were trying to make sure that what we saw on the outside matched the inside, that all the way through it was the same thing. Wholeness, completeness. It's a burger patty on the outside, it's a burger patty on the inside. So living a life of integrity or wholeness, how do we apply that? I want to marry three things together. Our words line up with our actions, what our hands do, and our words and actions then line up with our heart. A wholeness, where what we say is what we mean. We say we do something, we do it. There's no pretense, there's no... We're pulling off the mask of what we want other people to think of us, what they think will do of us, and it's what you see is what you get. If I say it, I do it. And if I do it, I'm doing it from a heart that wants to do it. This is integrity, a wholeness, not where people have to guess, is part of, part of your process raw, raw meat like the patty? Is it that you've got the words but your actions never line up? 
Is it you've got the actions, but your heart's not in it? No, it's all. It's a complete unit. Heart, hands, mouth, what we say, how we live. You know, what I love about what we've been talking about this morning with But to Serve is we could talk forever and a day about loving our community. We can talk about we want to share the love of Christ. We want to help them. We want to want to be an example. I mean, you could frame it in so many different ways, but if we did nothing, then we as a church wouldn't have integrity. But the fact that we then say, no, it's not just words, it's words and action, and my action lines up with my words, it's whole. It's complete. And that's what God's calling us to do in living a life of integrity. Do our words line up with our actions? Do our actions line up with our heart? Is our heart bathed in the presence of God, with what God wants, how he wants us to live our lives, bathe in what the word of God says, the things that matter for eternity. If I can get the band up, please. I just want to finish with one scripture in 1 John chapter 3. And John says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. There's a lot in this little passage. But our words of love should be supported by actions of love. And the truth then is that our words and our actions line up with our heart. You know, sometimes we can try to keep up appearances. We can try and keep the masks on, but you know what? It gets exhausting. It gets tiring when you're continually trying to portray yourself as someone that you're not. You get to the end of yourself where you're like, this is too hard. I can't keep doing this. I wish someone could just see me. Wish someone could just love me for who I am. Take off the masks. Let's take off the masks and be real with one another. You know, this, this verse 19 here says, This then is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence whenever our hearts condemn us. It's because we've got this love towards one another. The Bible says they'll know we're Christians because of our love. But if we're all doing community together with facades, no one knows who each other is. But when we take the guards down, we take the masks off, we get rid of the facades, and I live my life next to you, and I've got my struggles, I've got my brokenness, I've got my heartache, my regrets, and you've got your heartache, your regrets, your struggles, and together, we help each other move forwards. We help each other experience the love and grace of God without pretense. But we're all in this together. If we drop the facades and the masks we have, start being who we are, and then we love each other as we are, remind each other of who we are in Christ. This is, this is our walk with God. 
This is how we do life as Christians. This is how we do life as Christ-centered, spirit-powered, connect-driven church. This is how Pastor Phil describes our culture because it's all about Jesus. And if it's all about Jesus and we want him to be reflected in our lives, then let's live a life of integrity without pretense. Let's just be real with one another. Love each other for who we are. Accept each other. Encourage each other in our walk. And the thing is, this doesn't have to be a hard work thing because we have the Holy Spirit and He empowers us to live this life. He empowers us to be all that we are in Christ. It's not a matter of trying, it's a matter of resting in who we are in Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have no excuse. I'm not going to be the one that says to God, the Holy Spirit was not enough. Why don't you just close your eyes with me this morning? You know, lastly, in 1 John 3.20 there, it says, For God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. God sees everything. It's one thing to put up a facade for people, put a mask on in front of people but do we sometimes put a mask on in front of God pretending that things are okay pretending that we've got it together but he sees it all he sees our flaws he sees our pain he sees our regrets he sees the whole sum of who we are and that we don't measure up to God's standard but In the midst of that, he's prepared to reach down to us, to lift us up to him through Jesus and what he did on the cross. To take all of that on himself. He sees us. He sees what you did last night. He sees what you think about when you're driving your car. He sees the people that you hang out with. He sees your dreams. He sees your hurts. We don't need to try and hide it from him because he knows it. So why don't we just get real with him? Let's just tear back the layers of whatever it is that are in the way and expose a raw heart to God and say, God, here I am. This is me. And I want to give me to you. I want to yield my life to you. Now, if there's some people here today and you've never decided to follow Jesus, to make him a part of your life, and sometimes you can think you have to put on a mask to come into church. You have to put on a mask to have it all together, the mask of having no issues, the mask of being a good person before you can come to church, before you can come to God, but that's not true. Come as you are. Come with all your pain. Come with your hurt. Come with your regret, your disappointment. Bring it to God and He wants to wash it away. He wants to give you a new start. He wants to help you experience forgiveness and grace and love like you wouldn't believe. And I want to give you an opportunity in a minute, if that's you, just to be raw and honest with God. He sees it all anyway, so don't try and hide it from Him. Just be raw and honest with Him. And He wants to give you an opportunity to do life with Him.
So if you've never asked Jesus into your life, and you like to do that this morning, you want to say, look, I've had enough of doing it my way. It didn't work. I've had enough of this pain. I need help. I need something beyond myself. I need, I need to get rid of this bitterness. I need to get rid of this stuff I've been holding on to and I want to walk with God. If that's you today, I want to encourage you just to lift up your hand and I want to pray with you. If you want God to be a part of your life, you want to accept Jesus today and let his forgiveness wipe away everything you've done and bring you into a right standing with God, why don't you just lift up your hand this morning and I want to see it. Is there anyone today? So while we're just reflecting before God, I want you to just keep your heart honest and open before Him. Let Him see it all. Bring it all to Him. And let's be real. Let's live life unmasked. God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word, that it's true, that it's raw, that it's powerful, that it points us towards you, that it discovers what's in us and brings it into the light. Jesus, Jesus, we love you so much. Let us pray, God, that as we move from this place, without masks, without facades, that we would shine your life brightly and the world will see what the church is, a church where we love one another without pretense, in sincerity, in truth, and in integrity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today at C3 Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message, or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.